Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. He did not have to design us with a passion and a desire to be in his presence, but he did. As a heart panteth after the water. My, 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 we are panting after the spirit, the power, and the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're thankful that you're here tonight. I mean that from my heart. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. And uh, we didn't just come to be counted, but we have come to be in the presence of the Lord, exposed to his word. Powerful truths that can unfold and unlock things in our heart and life. I want to turn your attention to the book of Genesis chapter 13, a very familiar passage uh, of scripture to many, maybe not all, but to many. And uh, my goodness, what a great weekend. My Lord, the spirit of the Lord, Sunday morning. Amen, the word of the Lord. Amen, I appreciate Sister Amanda Amber, the Everett Bird, obeying the Lord. Amen, I think each of them in their own right Certainly, we're in the will of God, and um, we appreciate the moving of his spirit. The book of Genesis chapter 13 and verse number 8, the Bible says, And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. And um, this is a fairly familiar story of Lot and Abram and um, they're making their way to the promised land ultimately and I want to I want to speak to you this evening from this thought moving forward together moving forward together and um, I'm thankful that that God has placed us together and I, I believe that the I believe what the scripture says when it says that he has set the solitary into families. So God doesn't allow us just to be born and sit on the side of the road in a sand spur patch, but he plants us in families. And I believe that spiritually the same is true, that God puts people together. And that doesn't mean there's not changes from time to time, but ultimately we are together. And uh, so we have to figure out how... Uh, to exist, Amen. I don't mean this cynically, or uh, please don't, um, please don't try to remember this from now. Don't let this be the one thing you remember me saying for the rest of your life. But I think so often in the in the performing of uh, weddings, uh, you know, there's just not a more special moment in all the universe than that. And uh, as the one performing the wedding, I have a bird's eye view of what all's going on. And uh, sometimes in your mind, not every time, but sometimes I'm thinking that uh, you just have no idea the, the hills you're going to have to climb and the valleys that you're going to have to go through. And not trying to cast a, a, a shadow over that 
monumental moment. But there's no way to anticipate what, what will be around the curve or over the hill. You have no idea what you're going to encounter together. But the goal is that we move forward together. Together. And so I pray that the Lord will help us tonight. Let his word be settled in our heart. Amen. You can be seated. Brother McElhaney would say if you remain standing in your spirit. <laughs> Abraham and his nephew Lot had herdsmen that were fighting among themselves over their possessions. In quick fashion, Abram or Abraham stepped center stage and he offers a solution to the issues that they were facing. I don't think it would be fair to try to whitewash this and think, well, you know, it's not really applicable to our day or uh, we can look at that and say, what's the big deal? But if we could somehow shoehorn ourselves into that moment and realize where they were, we have all been there on many levels at many times. And so, uh, you know, there there are just times in the journey of life that we run into problems and you you have conflicts and, and conflicts are a part of any relationship. And so I want to speak in a very broad sense and at the same time I want to paint in all the corners. Is that fair enough? I think it it's, uh, perhaps goes without saying that anybody can see a problem. But what we really need is somebody to help solve the problem. And uh, many times problems are pointed out as very easy to to dissect maybe what's wrong about a situation or what went awry. But it's very, very important to have people in our midst that that have the ability to assess a problem and come up with a solution. It's an age-old illustration, but we can be a, a thermometer and just tell the temperature, or we can be a thermostat and control the temperature. And, and do something about it and change what's going on. For many years, I had the privilege to work alongside, here around the church, I had the privilege to work alongside a man many of you know, uh, A.C. Morris, or we, we knew him more by Junior Morris. We worked on countless projects around the church. He was here when we built the annex behind us, and he was also here a few years later when we remodeled the sanctuary. So both in new construction and certainly most especially when you are remodeling a project, you run into problems. And uh, you don't know it's there until you've moved something and then um, when you move one thing, it causes 10 things to shift. And um, But one of the things that among many, Brother Morris is a very, very gifted, uh, very intelligent man. And uh, some people think they know a lot about a lot of things. and uh, But he really was a man that had a lot of a grasp of a lot of different areas of life. If you knew him and know him, you know that I'm telling the truth. But one of the things that I admired about him was that he was a tremendous problem solver. (laughs) Sometimes we would leave at the end of the day on various projects and we have run into something during the day and we just had to leave the issue unresolved because we just couldn't seem to find an end. And often in the night, I didn't understand that as much then as I do now, but often in the middle of the night, a solution would come to him. And uh, he would show up the next day or the next time we came, 
and he would he would have an answer. Here's what I figured out how we can solve this problem. Now it is refreshing to be around problem solvers. And it is very discouraging to be around people that are just pointing out problems. And uh, because see, most everybody else, including myself, have eyes and ears. I hear the problem. I see the problem. I need some help to fix the problem. And uh, sometimes the problems are minimal. Sometimes they're real obstacles. Yet before it's over, somehow or another, somebody needs to step, step center stage and say, here's what we can do to resolve this. Here's, here, is a, a real, here is a real answer. And so it's refreshing. I mean that from my heart. It is refreshing to be around someone who has the ability. I just, I, just um, I have a real um, difficult time being around negative people. Because the world is such a harsh environment to live in. And so when, when, when you're around people whose sky is always falling, I mean, you guys are looking at me like um, I got off the wrong exit here. When you're around people whose sky is always falling, I mean, at the end of the day, you're just drained. It is very, very, very draining. And uh, so I'm, it's always encouraging to be around people who... Uh, I'm not talking about waxing things over or whatever, but, but people who have uh, the ability to see beyond something and say, here's, how, here's what we can do to fix this. And so in dealing with relationships, it's very, very, diff- very easy, rather, to have conflicts, very easy. And uh, in the book of Romans, chapter 12 and verse 10, Paul said, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. That's what Paul said to the church at Rome preferring one another and the time to prefer your brother is not when the bill comes in for the meal and that's not the time that we prefer one another but but uh, to prefer one another it's impossible to, to demand our own way if at the center of our heart we're trying to prefer and look out for the best interest of someone else so we have to yield our wishes and our desires and and for the cause of the greater good and so ideally we would love a world where conflict would be non-existent, but it's just not realistic. It's not reality. We have you have conf- a, a child is just a few days and full of trouble. Just a few days. So we we got in trouble. We started having trouble. You can't even remember back as far as you started having trouble because you were just a few days and peril started falling in your life and in mine. And so there's no such thing as a conflict. A free environment in which to live. And so having said that, I'm certainly not implying that we are not called on to strive to live in peace and harmony. But conflict is so readily, of it's, it's just everywhere. I mean, you can just get into an indifference. You know, you meet those people who, when the light turns green, there's six cars behind you in a half a second. They're blowing their horn. And, you know, just conflict is just everywhere. Something about a horn that's very pleasant in it. Just... <laughs> A horn, any time of the day or night, any situation, any setting, there's just something about that. And so it's hard to live in a conflict-free environment when, when conflict is just so readily accessible. It's, it's everywhere. It's present. And it was present in the, from the very beginning of time, of, of human existence. We find conflict all the way back into the book of Genesis. And so 
um, from the book of Genesis even to now in our day, you have to look no further than the headlines of every day to realize that, that the evidence of conflict is everywhere. It is not just limited to one, one state, one county, one city, but it is, a, it is a world crisis. There is conflict everywhere. Some of that conflict is just over minuscule things and some of it very, very, very serious things that changes the harmony of world peace. And so uh, we have to figure out somewhere in the scope of all of this, how can we move forward together? We're in this thing. I don't want to get out of this thing. So we got to figure out how to make this work. And so as in our environment today, in our world today, as families struggle to find peace, relationships shatter every day due to unresolved conflict. Now, relationships of every sort, we can take that to be relationships from a world scope. We can boil that all the way down to relationships of, of, uh, of companions, husbands, and wives or relationships among just friends. Because every relationship in life is going to be challenged. And so, of course, the church is not immune from disagreement. And it's not immune from differences of opinion regarding personal preferences. But it is our responsibility as Holy Ghost-filled children of God to find somehow a peaceful resolution to the challenges that we encounter in life. We have just got to figure out how to make this work. Now, any old fool can fight. Any old fool can fight, but it takes some real wisdom to know how to move forward in the scope of the, of the conflicts that we see all around us. My wife and I have talked about this uh, just as recently as a couple of hours ago, but I think about the power of the Holy Ghost and its ability to change, legitimately, truly change. I'm not talking about lipstick on a pig but I'm talking about the ability to truly change a person's demeanor, their character, and so on. This past Sunday morning, forgive me, Sister Amanda, but this past Sunday morning, the Sister Amanda began to describe an era of her grandfather's life. My wife and I sat on the front row right where she's sitting in stunned silence because I met her grandfather long after the days of carousing around and, and um, <laughs> that just blew my mind. I'm just going to be honest with you. It just blew, I, I'm with you on that because the man I met was 180 degrees at least of that. A few, a few days ago, I was, I was in a, a place of business and somebody was trying to describe how much something had changed. And, and so they said 100, it turned 180 degrees and then they were, they were really trying to underline their point. They said, really and truly, I think it, it changed 360 degrees. <laughs> I applauded their effort to underline the crisis. But to think that somebody's life could truly be changed. The man that I met, although a very deep, uh, bravado voice was such a gentle man, such a kind man, such a soft-spoken man. And as I sat Sunday morning listening to the old Hugh McNatt, I was thinking about the life-changing power of the Holy Ghost because here stood a granddaughter 
describing a man that I have never met, never almost met, never seen just a, an inkling, a semblance of that. Why? It's not because he had the sheer strength and ability to be someone else in public, but it was because of the life-changing power of God to resolve, to change who we are, to change our nature. And so we're not immune to the things of life and things will come our way, but I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost to impart into us knowledge and wisdom and the right words and how to handle situations in life that come our way. And so we have a responsibility. I believe we have a true responsibility as a child of God to find peaceful resolutions for the challenges that come into our life. Our text describes tonight uh, how Abraham was willing to address that issue or that conflict. Abraham faced issues with, uh, with great wisdom rather than selfishness. And I hope I can underline that a little bit for you as we move along here. Because as Abraham dealt with Lot, Abraham humbly sought a way that we can reach a peaceable solution. Now, Abraham did not have to take this approach. And I think it's imperative that we understand this. That Abraham, as an elder, was in the position of power in this relationship. And so he could have said whatever he wanted to say. Lot is his nephew. He's just going to have to go along with it. And society, the law, and everything else would have backed up Abraham. Yet it's interesting that he didn't lean on his status as an elder. And he was willing to make personal sacrifices for the sake of peace for those that were involved. Now, I would like us to consider once again this passage of Scripture in the book of Genesis 13 and 6 the Bible says that the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, and here's why, for their substance was great, so they could not dwell together. Now, the word of God gives us such a, a tremendous balanced snapshot of most every situation in life. As you read through the the. the the word of God from the beginning to the end, you can see almost every scenario of life. It is just, it's just amazing at how the scripture so capsulizes all of life. If not, if not outright, it certainly capsulizes it in principle. In most instances, we get the whole picture, the entire picture. We see David at his zenith and we see him at his worst. And so we've got a balanced picture of Abraham. We see Moses the same way. Elijah, Elisha, we see all of these heroes of faith in the same way. For example, every example of handling conflict the right way can be found in Scripture. You can find all kinds of people that handled it the right way. And there's also records of people that handled it the wrong way and the destruction of that. And so we have this full picture and we can see the how-tos and the how-not-tos. And so quite obviously, uh, conflicts can be great or conflicts can be small. The size of the conflict generally has little to do with the size of the problem <laughs> because the size of the conflict is often based on the manner in which we decide we're going to handle it because there is such a thing as making something out of nothing. A few years ago, I was in line behind a man at the subway, sandwich subway. 
And if there's anybody else in the universe that would do what he, she had, he had that young lady do to a sandwich, I'd love to shake their hand. I've never seen anybody so picky. No, 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 too much. Wipe a little bit, a little bit more. Take a little bit off, a little bit more. So what you need, sir, is a wife. <laughs> Some of you took that way out of context, way out of context. <laughs> because at some point, any thinking woman on her feet would have shoved the sandwich across the thing and said, make it yourself. <laughs> She'd have taken off them little plastic gloves and her little apron and said, just step on the other side of this counter, big boy, and you do this as you would have. And so he was, you're talking about making something out of nothing. I would have lost my job right on the, on the spot. I would have lost my job, I believe. I don't know her situation. But anyway, sometimes conflicts arise out of a situation that should have never even been considered a challenge. It's just something out of nothing. And, and we've all been involved in silly arguments. Every one of us, young and old, have been involved in, in arguments sometimes so silly that if, if a little bit of time goes by, you remember you're mad, but you can't for the life of you think about what it is. You can't remember what it is. I know we're, I know we're into it. <laughs> Give me just a minute. I see a lot of guilt. I feel a lot of guilt in this house <laughs> because you can't even remember. And so, man, it must have been world changing if you can't even remember it the next day but we just kind of walking around each other. Your feathers are all up, hairs up on the back of your neck, right? Sorry for that visual, but anyway. Um, but I think it's worth noting that the scripture, the holy word of God gives us the root of the herdsman problem. Right, just drills down to the heart of it. The Bible says, for their substance was great. You see the irony of that? The conflict between Abraham and Lot was over their blessings. They had been so blessed by God, so blessed by the hand of the Lord until it brought conflict in the house of the herdsmen. They each possessed so much cattle that tension arose among them because there wasn't enough to feed or at least there was greed on the table. And so as each man's, herdsmen sought water and grass and things of that nature or pasture for the animals, there arose a spirit of competition and inevitably that led to a spirit of conflict. And so the heart of the matter was that each of the herdsmen thought about their own herds. I want the best of the grass. I want the best of the water. And uh, if you're, you know, last year we had uh, gone through the hurricane and, uh, I saw a lady, I mentioned this last year when it happened, I saw a lady pushing in, and she might have been buying water for the city of somewhere. So I don't, I don't want to run that disclaimer. But if that was her water, she's still drinking those bottles of water. I mean, she is just, you know, she's on that cart. She just barely can push that cart of water, and all we wanted was a case of water. And you just see, you just see that, that we want mine, 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 mine. People are buying up all kind of things at the first sight of anything going wrong. We ought to think about that. Because you're going to see the real 
ugly side of humanity. I know we get to see the beautiful side of humanity as well, but there's an ugly side of that. And so that, that, that competition led to conflict. And so they're looking out for each other. They're trying to look out for themselves rather than each other. And, and uh, they could have devised a plan to live peaceably, but instead they chose a path of conflict. And uh, so if you're, if you're ever gonna find a solution to a problem, you gotta first locate the root of the problem. You gotta find the heart of the matter. And many times what people are complaining about is not the root of the matter. You gotta get to the heart of the matter. And so Abraham could have chosen to ignore the problem or uh, as I said a moment ago, he could have just taken matters in his own hand, wielded his own power and authority, not assumed power, but God-given power. But instead, Abraham uh, dealt with a problem with wisdom and he dealt with it with meekness. Abraham's leadership, I think, created the liberty to, to live peaceably. It created an atmosphere where they could resolve the conflict at hand. And so it's true uh, that a lot of things in life will work themselves out. You, if you just chase every rabbit that runs out of the bush, you're gonna be tired. And so some things will just, they, they'll just play out and it'll all work out. You just give it a little bit of time. And a lot of people that have lived a few more years have understood that and they figure that out and so they don't get as upset about everything that comes along because life and experience and time has just taught them that some things, it will just work out. It will just work out. Now, uh, I, I do understand that sometimes we have to face conflict head on. Everything's not gonna work out and when we're called on to do that, there is a biblical prescription to do that. In Matthew chapter five, also in Matthew chapter 18, a clear path, a clear path to follow to resolve conflict. And so if we're gonna live a life of faith, then we have to understand that the first thing I must do is respect the other person. I've got to respect them. I need to understand that, that they too were created in the image of God. They too have a soul. They are God's child. Amen, and so before you lay hands on them or before you lay your tongue on them, speaking negatively about them, we need to realize that that's God's child. And the Bible says, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. And so before we start slandering and tearing someone down, we need to consider that that's someone's child. And I'm not just talking about Sally's child or I'm not just talking about Bob's child, but that is God's child. And we've got to be very, very careful. Ephesians 4 and 26 reminds us of the, of the necessity of, of dealing swiftly with at, when it is called on things that are maybe when you're dealing with times of conflict. Paul said, be angry and sin not. He said, let not the sun go down on your wrath. Now, probably most everyone has been given this tidbit of advice in a relationship, and that is when somebody told you, don't go to bed angry. And we grinned and said, okay. Because we weren't angry right then. <laughs> but that's a little tougher to do in real time. And so we've had those, I love you. And those grunts back. Mm. Amen. And if you haven't been there, then you're just better than us. My hat's off to you. Conflicts occur in every relationship. It includes family, it includes jobs, it includes 
church, it includes organizations, it includes anything where you have human beings, you're going to have the potential, at least, for conflict. And so I said the potential for conflict. I, that doesn't mean that, that, that conflict has to be a welcome friend. We need to let conflict know that you may come into my house, but you're not going to live in my house. You may barge in the door. There, you, you may have slipped in when we weren't looking, but don't make a pallet because you're not hanging around. You're not going to need to know where the cupboard is. You're not going to need to know where we keep the glasses and the bowls and the spoons. And the, you're not going to be here long enough to figure that out. Not at all. And so any relational situations, discord most often happens when people just insist on my way, my way. And so we, we need to, to, be, to have the desire to be, to be right with one another rather than just being right. Amen. I told someone that doesn't attend this church one time, they were having conflicts in their marriage, and I told him, I said, sir, you can be right or you can be happy. And you need to figure out which, you, how you want to live. Because you're straining at a gnat. This is not worth what you're going through. It's not worth the stress that's, that's being um, pressed into your relationship. And so if, if you just want to be, you know, if you're going to be right about this, you better just hope you're right the rest of your life. And I doubt you will be. And at some point, the tables are going to turn. The pendulum's going to swing. And we're going to need mercy. We're certainly going to need mercy. And so... It takes time, it takes effort, it takes energy, it takes active steps in order to fix things that are wrong. And so for that reason, some people never seek to resolve an issue. And consequently, those problems have a tendency to escalate. And, and uh, while at the same time the problems are escalating, the relationship is dying for the lack of oxygen is being choked out. And so I believe as spirit-led men and women of God, then we are given the responsibility of addressing situations in a manner that pleases God. Not bless God my way, the highway, or you're gonna hear me because of who I am. Now, looking back at Genesis 13 and 8, Abraham said unto Lot, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between thy herdmen and, and thy herdmen, and he said, for we be brethren. We're brothers. There's no greater reason to resolve this because we be brethren. And so in this situation, Abraham was the problem solver. And problem solvers are not afraid of having difficult conversations. And sometimes you just have to have difficult conversations. That doesn't mean knock down, drag out. doesn't mean you're going to wind up on Judge Judy or an episode of Cops. It just means that sometimes you've got to have a direct conversation. So sometimes difficult conversations are necessary to strengthen a relationship. Absolutely. Most people are not, not most, I shouldn't say, but some people live by the mantra that peace at any cost. And that is a very, very dangerous setup. It's unhealthy. It's a very unhealthy position to take and so I'm not talking about peace at any cost. Amen. I'm talking about being able to step into a situation and find a solution to the problem. Therefore, that peace at any cost has got to be something that we, is a mindset that we just have to cast away. A peacemaker is not someone that's weak. And I think that often 
peacemakers are, there is an assumption that there is a weakness in them, but nothing could be further from the truth. But peacemakers are truly people that put the needs of others above their own personal preferences. And I think real peacemakers try to understand something from the viewpoint of someone else. If you're not in someone else's skin, it's easy to make a decision. But if we put ourselves in their situation, look through their eyes, then we can see that and view that a little bit differently. Abram took the responsibility in the relationships of his life. He applied wisdom. He boldly faced a problem. And in doing so, he brought stability to that situation. But I think beyond that, if I can paint outside of the lines here for just a moment, it's important to understand that Abraham's wisdom didn't just affect his possessions. Amen. It didn't just, it didn't just affect people that was under his care and it didn't just affect his own family but he is making some decisions and giving some resolutions that to, to a problem that's going to positively affect all of those around him. Amen. Genesis 13 and 9, here's what Abraham said. He said, he is not the whole land before thee. Separate thyself. He said, I pray thee for me if thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. I mentioned earlier that, that, that he was the eldest in this situation. And so it was within his purview to be able to decide left or right, good, bad, ugly. It was his to do. Amen. He was, it was his first right of refusal, if we could put it that way. But beyond that, beyond him being the older person in this situation, the land was a gift from God to Abram. So he could have said, it's mine. So he had every right. I'm not trying to belabor a point, but I'm just saying he had a broad foundation on which to handle this. He had every right. So rather than taking advantage of his position or power or rather than taking advantage of, of even his privilege, if we want to look at it that way, that God had given him, he humbly allowed Lot. He stepped back. And he said, if you go this way, I'll go that way. You go this way, I'll go that way. Whatever we need to do, we're going to make it right. I believe that's why Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. People have a way of just bringing peace to a situation. By the same token, I know people who have the ability to make conflict. Their very presence can just change the atmosphere. Don't look around. Whatever, I'm trying not to make eye contact with anybody. I'm just going to speak with my eyes closed. I'm not thinking of anybody here. I promise you that. But there are people that can just change the atmosphere when they walk in a room. They just amp things up. You ever been? Anybody here ever been to a family reunion? Say no more. There are people that just walk in the room and you're just thinking, oh my Lord, please nobody make them mad. <laughs> I must move on. And then there are people that just step into a situation. Their very presence just brings peace. They don't have to say anything. They didn't walk in with a gavel banging anything. They just walked in. And the spirit of peace. I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm talking about. The spirit of peace. Amen. And so this was especially true in Abraham's situation. 
And so by taking the path of a, of a peacemaker, he kept his heart pure and was protected from the temptations and the struggles that overwhelmed Lot in the end. My goodness, look at the end. Look at the end. So rather than fight for what was rightfully his, he just worked toward a, sol- a solution in the right spirit. And I think it's important to realize that meekness is not weakness. I say that a lot when I'm teaching about along this line because meekness is truly controlled strength. Because anybody can act the fool. But thank God for cool heads that can just say, we're not going to get out here in the parking lot and roll around in the asphalt. We're going to just resolve this. There is an answer here. And, and, and you know, some people want to be heard so bad until they're willing to sacrifice almost everything in order for their voice to be heard. But consider the words of Solomon. My wife and I were listening to this today. And, um, and so... On, on our Bible and so with Proverbs seventeen twenty eight, the Bible says even a fool when he holdeth his peace is counted wise <laughs> and, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding and so sometimes our very silence can save us from ourselves. <laughs> and to that I might add the words of Mark Twain who said it is better to keep your mouth closed and let people think you're a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. (laughs) Abram desired to solve the problem rather than than to demand to be right. I'm just going to be right. A New Testament example of this is certainly found in the humanity and in the humility of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2 and 5, the Bible says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to death even the death of the cross. So what a great example we have not just in the Old Testament but in the New Testament and so as much as we would like to think that we can just handle everything that comes our way it's just not true. Because life can be overwhelming at times. Simon Peter gives us, I think, some great insight uh, to, the, to the situations that sometimes we face in our life. He says, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. And sometimes it's just more than we can handle. And we have to cast those cares on the Lord. And so we got to learn how to rely on the Lord's strength and, and the Lord's leading at times of uncertainty because he certainly understands and he, he cares. He really does care. And so he commands that we cast our cares. And, and uh, we were never really built. God never really intended for us to carry heavy loads. He doesn't desire to see us buckle under the weight of of life or the things that come our way. And so that's why his word is filled with passages like Matthew 11 and 28 that says, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. One of the greatest benefits I think of of having the Holy Spirit, and, and that's a broad statement when you say the greatest, but one of the greatest I would certainly think is the, is the ability to empower us to overcome things that we could not do in our own strength. If God were, if life, if somehow uh, a warning were to come out ahead of us and say this is what you're gonna have to walk through for the next few months or even the next few years or this is what you may endure for the rest of your life, we would say I will buckle under that. I would never be able to live under that load 
load and how is it that so and so or this can happen it is because they have cast their cares upon the Lord and it is God's hand that is sustaining their steps amen they are learning how to move forward in the spirit in the presence of God and he gives us the power to overcome things that we would otherwise not be able to. That's why Paul could say to the Philippian church, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. This is not Paul crowing. This is not Paul patting himself on the back, but he said, I can do all things through Christ. What a tremendous promise. And so when we talk about conflicts and and uh, disagreements and things of that nature, whether that is in our families, in the church, on the job, in the school, wherever it, they're un- it's an unavoidable part of life. And although that is an unavoidable, unavoidable part of life, I think that we can rely on God in the midst of all that. Through his guidance, through God's ability, conflict can be addressed with integrity. I think that's what intrigues me so much about a court case, especially if I'm not the one... <laughs> but just to be in the audience to see people professionally argue a point it's pretty incredible and this quote this point of law and another quote this point of law and it's all done decently and in order and so there is a way to address things with intelligence Psalms 133, 1 and 2. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like precious ointment. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. How precious unity is. But I will say this, that that just because you have unity in this moment doesn't mean that it is a gift from now on. You've got to cultivate unity. You've got to do everything you can to preserve unity. And so people often are trying to serve their own interests or they will try to serve God. And we have a decision to make. And if we choose to serve God, then then that means that we have to commit ourselves to serving others. Now I'm going to ask our musicians to come, if they will, and I'll, I, will, I will wrap this up with a few more comments here. We live in a fallen world. Therefore... Conflict is a part of our world. Peace treaties are signed and forgotten. It's a part of our world. The concept of unity does not mean moving or living in a world without conflict. The concept of unity means we're going to move forward together and we're going to move forward in relationships despite conflicts. Someone once said, a relationship is only as deep as the conflict it has weathered and survived. I'm... uh, When we... When we think about long-term relationships, developing, cultivating, and maintaining long-term relationships, we have to understand the power or the principle, if I may, of compound interest. It's amazing 
what compound interest can do. And if you want just a little something to do after church is over, when you get home, please don't reach for your phone. But Google illustrations of compound interest. And it is amazing what can happen accumulatively in time. Compound interest. Compound interest. And so when we think about compound interest and we think about long-term relationships, then we, we ask ourselves, how is it that you can survive? What is it because you're special or you have something that somebody else doesn't have? No, no. I think it's the surviving the years of ups and the years of downs. It's the accumulative nature of it all. You ever heard somebody say, we've been married and you fill in the blank, 25 wonderful years. <laughs> they haven't all been wonderful. Sometimes sickness, stress, loss, finances put a real strain. Is it all right? Can I just wait out here in your business a little bit? It can put a real strain. We have, like most anybody else, some tough years. In our past. Not we. But tough years. So how do you survive? It was the compound interest of the accumulative years. <laughs> Every moment hasn't been wonderful. There have been some low ebbs in the market. But together, collectively, corporately. How does... How does a church move forward together with this idea and that idea and this philosophy and that philosophy? How do you stay together? It's compound. It's the accumulative effort of years of just saying, you know what? I love you anyway. When we have people here that like bluegrass, we have people here that like contemporary, we have people that like this or like that, and you know what? We all have just agreed to walk together. We're just going to walk together. And when we come into the house of God, we're going to sing some of the old songs. We're going to sing some of the new songs. And if the future keeps allowing us the time and privilege, we're going to learn a new, another new song as we go along. Sometimes it's an old song with a new twist. And we're all just worshiping and loving the Lord and praising God like Sunday morning the power of God we're out in the aisle worshiping but if you were to leave this building and walk into the parking lot and say let me look at your CDs <laughs> I'm not going where you think I'm going so just relax let me look at your music so let me see your playlist Brother Rayleigh's going to have his likes. 
Brother Tom Clavery is going to have his likes. Danny and Jane's going to have their likes. And they're all going to be different. But when we were here, we weren't faking it. We weren't pretending. We were moving forward together. Amen. And how do you survive all of that? It is, it is the accumulative effort of it all. Let's stand. Can we do that? Amen. So, I, I'm just going to skip some of this. I know you won't be sad. But one of the greatest freedoms that a person can ever experience in your life is to grant some latitude and liberty and forgiveness to somebody else. Sometimes, as the scripture says, we're more worried about the, the, the speck in somebody else's eye than we are the moat in our own eye. And so, if you're going to pull out a broom, we should probably sweep our own porch. Because the truth of the matter is, for most people I know, got enough of our own problems to be fishing in anybody else's pond and so we just need to move forward and so I close with these words the words of this anonymous quote I think ring true the first to apologize is the bravest the first to forgive is the strongest and the first to forget is the happiest amen so let's be brave let's be strong (laughs) And let's be happy, shall we? Amen. Let's worship the Lord in this song. Truer words perhaps have never been written. Let's magnify the Lord together. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.